Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Synergy and Leadership Podcast. For those of you who are listening in for the first time, my name is Julian Carl and I'm the CEO and the co-founder of Synergy Group. I'm passionate about all things leadership and management. So passionate, in fact, that I decided to start a podcast about it and here we are in season two and my purpose for the podcast continues to be the same, to raise the standard of leadership. Today's show, I speak with Julia Steele, who is the author of Buy-In, How to Lead Change, Build Commitment and Inspire People. Over the last two decades, Julia has worked with leaders around the world to plan and execute strategy in their business. She knows that frameworks and PowerPoint are not enough to deliver results on their own. That success depends on the buy-in of their people, their ability to deliver and lead change. In short, Julia helps leaders and teams deliver bigger and better. It may be bigger ambitions for the organisation, grand ideas that as a leader are looking to implement or need to get ready for significant change ahead. Her clients consistently tell her they are looking for one thing, progress. Everyone wants to be better, move faster and work smarter to deliver results that matter. And when organisations and people struggle to execute, it affects confidence and at every level, values like trust, passion and integrity are replaced with tension, frustration and ultimately unable to deliver results. Now, during the course of the conversation, we explore her book in detail. I start by asking Julia why did she decide to write the book? We speak about what buy-in looks like and why does it matter. We discuss the competence killers and confident competence. And I finish the interview by asking Julia about why engagement isn't enough and how we build commitment. So keep listening. As always, really like to hear your thoughts about the interview with Julia Steele, author of Buy-In, How to Lead Change, Build Commitment and Inspire People. Happy listening. Welcome to the Synergy Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian returns in 2019 with weekly conversations with leaders and authors from Australia and around the world, giving you the opportunity to share in their journey and learn from their expertise and knowledge. Julian also shares some of the tools and techniques he uses as a leader, mentor and facilitator, helping you to build your leadership capability and improve your confidence as a leader. Welcome, Julia, to the Synergen Leadership Podcast. Really appreciate you actually coming out to HQ and, and hanging out with me so that everyone has a bit of an idea of who you are. Who is Julia Steele? Um, I've got a thanks for having me. I had a 20 year career in IT and tech, largely as a program manager. So I'm inherently a delivery person. Stepped away a couple of years ago to start my own practice. Now work as a speaker, trainer and coach, helping other people deliver great ideas. And I uh, think we're all trying to do more, lead bigger change, bigger transformation. And uh, so I wrote Buying for to help other leaders do that. Okay. So we're here today to talk about your book, Buying, How to Lead Change, Build Commitment and Inspire People. What, what, what? Did you, why, I suppose, did you decide to write the book? Because I've written one myself and it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So no, why did you decide to write one? Um, I think if I reflect back on many of the ideas, the projects, the leaders that I've worked with over my career, it's, all, it's, all, it's very easy to say we've got a good idea. It's almost the easy bit. And then you go off and you deliver that idea and then you wonder why it feels harder than you were expecting. And my biggest learning is, you know, projects, change, strategy. It's all about the people that are in and around you when you're delivering it. So the more you can get their buy-in, the more you can take them on the journey, um, 
the better off you'll be. I like to think of it as the as the fuel in the engine. Like the idea is the engine, but without the fuel and the people pumping energy into it, the engine doesn't doesn't go as quickly as as you want. So, I wrote the book to share some learnings. Um, hopefully encourage people to think about how they get others on board with what they're trying to do and uh yeah just bring a different conversation to the to the table other than just frameworks and processes which is normally what people look at when they're delivering change so i want to start off with a a bit of an excerpt if i can and it's from your introduction Uh, with so many opportunities around us succeeding today should be easy it's not We are surrounded by the conflicting priorities, ideas and needs of others. And of course, we all have our own opinions and needs too. What makes people care about you and your ideas over someone else's? What helps them align with your vision and get involved even when they don't have to? In simple terms, what makes them get behind you and your idea is buy-in. So my question on that is, why is it so important to get people behind you? Um, I think... There's, there's two schools of thought, and um, if you, I've worked for some fabulous leaders in the in the year over the years, and but they were quite dictatorial, sort of like this is this is the strategy, here's the idea, this is what we're doing, get on with it. And yes, there are instances where that worked, but when you look at um, organisations now, and there's challenges with engagement and trust, and people are feeling less motivated than than they have in the past. You sort of go, well, why why do you want people to help? you um you can deliver it on your own it takes a herculean effort to deliver a good idea on your own so why make it hard for yourself get others around you get them helping you bring some energy and some ideas to the table you're actually quite surprised when you have a good idea you bring other people to the conversation and it suddenly gets a better better idea um because everyone helps everyone helps everyone and the um yeah I know many leaders that have tried to deliver things on their own and and when it doesn't work, it's a very lonely, um, sometimes not a good place to be from a career perspective either. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you you write about something called the commitment conundrum. Mm. What is the commitment conundrum? How much commitment do you need? Who do you need it? Who do you need it from? Um, Do you go it alone? Do you wait for wait for others to catch up? Um, I think the, the the two the two biggest parts of commitment is how do you get people to trust what you're doing, and how do you win their trust back? And the conundrum to me is often when um, you just want to get going. So I've got a great idea. If I don't if I don't start doing something now. Oh, it'll be late or it won't get to market on time or we'll miss the opportunity. I'm just going to leave everyone behind and start running. Or do you wait for them to catch? Do you actually wait for them to catch up? Um, that's, the conund- that's the conundrum. And what can you do to, to help them um, accelerate as quickly as you can build that trust in your idea um, ASAP um, rather than running and then looking behind you and realising there's no one else no one else there yeah it becomes a real challenge doesn't it getting people uh on the bus with you yeah i think um and i i'm definitely been burnt from 
um, decisions I've made in the past where I'm just like, well, they just don't get it. Um, you know, I'll show them. You know, if I just, I'll just get on with it and prove them there, prove them that, prove to them that I'm right. It doesn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work out that way. Um, in in my experience, so um, yeah, it's really yeah. How do you take people with you? It's like crossing a bridge. I think I use that that metaphor in the in the in the book. You cross the bridge because it's your idea. It's easy for you to cross the bridge. You trust it um, because it's it's your idea. How do you get everyone else to cross the bridge? Get on the bus. There's lots mm. of metaphors that you can use, but yeah, we all need to be be moving in the same direction together. So, what does buy-in actually look like? I think um, it's probably easier to say what it doesn't look like, um, and then I'll, I think the what it doesn't look like is isolation, frustration, um, hard work. Um, t- to me, the more people that are on board with your idea, the 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 easier things feel. It validates your idea almost. That if if you're bought into it, and then you see other people buying into it, then it by default makes it a better idea. Um, it, or it helps you. Yeah, it gives you an indication that that you're onto something that actually should be explored more. Um, if you think you've got a good idea and then you turn around and there's no one else there, you're going, well, what is it? Is it me that they're not bought into? Is it the idea that they're not bought into? Have I not talked to them talk to them enough? And um, yeah, there's lots and lots of things for people to do at the moment. So how do you get them to pick, pick yours and work with you, collaborate with you, um, and and yeah, just really move, really move things move things forward. I um, was talking to a leader the other day who um, says I don't have a sponsor for my project. What should I do? And I said, put your project on hold. Hmm. And he goes, but if I don't, if I put the project on hold, I won't have a job because my job is to lead the project. And I was like, but you won't have a job if you lead the project and it fails hmm. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So you've got to um, make a choice. To, do you want people to to work work with you on this, or do you want to be selfish and and try and do it do it on your own? Okay. And why is it so important that we we, we, we get this buy-in? So why does buy-in matter? I think um, to me, buy-in's almost getting if you, it's almost like a sales sales pitch because of what we were talking about, some of what we talked about before. So, do you want to be seen as a leader? that's dictating things to people um, who's trying to control the destiny of, of where things go to the extent that no one else has a say? Or do you want to be a leader that goes, this is what I think we should do. What do you guys think? I'd love your input. I'd love you to help me deliver this so that we all get the result rather than, rather than just, rather than just me um, standing on, standing on my own and, um, there's very few ideas out there that have been delivered by one person. Doesn't matter whether you look at the traditional companies everyone talks about in the US, you know, the Airbnbs, the Facebooks, the Microsofts, or whether you're, you know, an independent small business. Everyone needs people around them um, to deliver great ideas. So, in chapter one, which is titled "Confidence," mm-hmm. which is, uh, I think, a yeah, one of the most important things a leader needs to have. Yep. 
And you, you talk about this idea of believing in yourself or no one else will. Yes. So how do, my question around that is how do leaders start to almost self-assess if they are, do, do you have that sense of self-belief? Mm. Um, this chapter is actually quite a, a personal one for me to write. And um, when I, actually when I look at all of the chapters that we talk about, and I split the book into three parts, so buying into yourself, buying into your team, buying into your idea. Um, the buying into yourself, the leadership piece is if you're not if you don't have the self belief enough to carry your idea, it doesn't matter how good your idea is, they are just not gonna buy into buy into you. And um, I had a, a a great manager work for me um, four or five years ago and he was really struggling to to make progress in the business, he was quite frustrated. And he's like, what am I doing wrong? And I was like, your challenge is, is that when you speak, because he's quite introverted, he was didn't necessarily have the self-belief in himself that even though his ideas, his comments were good, the way he was coming across actually put people, people off. And um, I think having confidence in yourself is sort of like conviction. Like people look for, well, if I can see that you believe it, then maybe I should believe it as well. Whereas if I came to you with an idea, go, I'm not really sure this is the right thing to do or I haven't even got the confidence to say that to you, then it's the sort of you're not going to start making the progress that you want before you've even started. Things will things will stall. So um, I think I talk about people buying to the leader before they buy into the idea. In the book, it's the same thing. Um, same thing. Okay. And you also give people a bit of a, a, a framework for how to get their belief, mm. self-belief, just right. Yes, just so, right. So, so at, a, at a high level, <laughs> are you able to, to walk them through those sort of those key topics? Yeah, I, I think I talk about um, Goldilocks and the Three Bears a little bit and that's where the just right comes, comes from. And um, you can have too much confidence, too little confidence, and you just want it to be, to be right and... Um, to me, you don't want to be the arrogant, overconfident person in the same way you don't want to be the underconfident person. But the the um, the, the steps that I that I talk through is you know who what do you what do you stand for what are you what do you feel good about what do you not feel good about actually just getting you to self reflect a little bit on where where you are what you know what you don't know. Um, I've, I've uh, spoken to a, a few leaders that I coach over over the years and they, there's some a lot of leaders miss the vulnerability to explore what they're what's impacting their confidence and they just sort of say oh I'm just going to pretend that I'm confident and then not actually <laughs> not actually do anything about what backs it up so I'm, I'm curious to to explore this idea of you know influence versus being influential mm. So how do what's the difference? So this was a bit of a, a Nirvana moment for me. My career, so about four or five years ago, I did a class at Stanford in in the US, a power course. So the, the class was actually called Power, and at the time I was in a quite a politically charged environment at work, and a lot of powerful people, um, which you can interpret as influential. Um, were 
trying to change things and in, in, in it was, was not a nice environment to work in and there's a lot of people trying to influence a lot of things for their own agendas and um, in this power power course and some of the reading that I did afterwards they said if you actually change your mindset from it being about power to actually it's just about influencing behavior change it actually takes a lot of the energy out of um, of that power politics conversation and so being uh, having influence is normally um, seen as power where you are on the hierarchy whether you've got a seat at the table whereas if you actually go I could be influential just by changing your behavior right and um, in the book I talk about um, the Parkland school shootings in in the US and the this group of um, students took on Donald Trump organized one of the largest rallies since since the peace rallies in the 70s yet before that before they did that they were just students and in the space of a year they went from students to being on the front cover of time magazine um, because they were able to influence people's behavior mm. to go to the rally they weren't powerful but they were able to influence behavior change talk about courage and fear how and it's interesting to put those two together because <laughs> often you know it takes you know courage to overcome your fear. Yes. So why is this something that leaders should be thinking about? This idea of courage and fear. I think um, most ideas, particularly good ones, uh, involve you stepping into a place that you're not necessar- where you're not necessarily at the moment. So if you're running a business, you might be stepping into a new market or offering a new product or um, working with a different industry, um, hiring new people. There's lots of things um, that with ideas that involve you doing something new. And with that new comes a level of uncertainty. And that uncertainty generally um, creates some sort of fear. Now, maybe fear in yourself because you're going shit (laughs) is this the right thing to do but it also creates um fear in people around you right your staff may um go well this is something unfamiliar to us so courage to me is recognizing that that's what you're doing but you've got to keep stepping forward um i think there are many many good ideas that we probably never see just because on the journey to it, someone's gone, no, it's too risky, or um, I'm not sure it's the right time, or we haven't got the skills, or there's reasons why the idea hasn't got gotten traction. I'm not saying we should do every idea either, but for the, for the ideas that matter for your business, you've got to buy into them and, and, and keep embracing that fear to get to the other, to the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's about you know stretching out of your comfort zone, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, if 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 every if every organisation did ideas that were safe, they're the easy ones to do. But your business, your organisations don't change. Um, yes, there's some that you have to do um, to keep the lights on, to keep your existing business running. But what, where's the where's the stretch? What are you going to buy into that's bigger than what you're already yeah. doing? People will often say that you know leadership's lonely, for want of a better <laughs> phrase. And you talk about this idea that you don't have to face everything yeah. alone. 
So how, how do people make sure that they're not falling into that trap of, you know, just trying to do it all themselves? Um, I uh, fell into this trap of doing it all myself and uh, I'm very, you know, quite reflective on the impacts that it had on me personally, like from a stress perspective, from a work-life balance uh, perspective, from even from how I was seen and perceived by my team. It's just that they saw the feedback that I had afterwards was you're trying to do too much, you need to let us help. Um, and it was I thought I was actually role modelling the other behaviour, which is if I show I'm committed, then everyone else will be <laughs> <laughs> committed. Um, and people actually said, no, you're, you're actually pushing too hard let us let us help and I think um in terms of facing not having to face everything it's recognizing what you can do and what what you can't and when no no one's perfect it doesn't matter where you are in the hierarchy of an organization there's all things always things that we don't know there's always things that we can improve um and recognize taking a moment to recognize that and go actually there's part of this idea that I don't understand now your choices are well I can learn I can go and find someone that does know and work with them um, you can bring people in to your organization um, get some advice from externals there's lots of things that you that you can can do to explore and get other people's buy-in on whether your idea is a good one um, but pushing ahead regardless going it will be all right mate in that yeah. in that old Aussie Aussie way it, it doesn't actually serve anyone in in the long run and um, I did some work in the US and, and went to um, X which is the um, moonshot factory that Google um, is attached to Google and they're the people that created the drones and yeah. and did all of that sort of fantastic stuff and, and they have a motto which is one of the hardest problem first and um I think actually that's a really, really nice, um, really, really nice way of framing it. If you've got an idea and it's and it feels scary, what's the hardest bit of it? Like, so don't look at the whole idea. What's the bit that you really need to to answer, and and who do you need to help you answer that question? And in answering that question, you then understand that you've got everything else that you need. Okay. You talk about this idea of clarity, and I, I think it's an interesting one worth worth exploring because I often reflect on the leaders that we work with, how many of them have the opportunity to reflect and, and get that sense of clarity. So specifically, what, what do you think leaders should be thinking about when they try to get some clarity and what, what process can they undertake or what are the challenges that they're going to face? So talk about um, clarity in the in the book, more about how do you get other people on board and with, with you. And I think sometimes ideas are pitched and then people don't draw the line back to the strategy or what it means to you as a leader. And so I wrote, when I sat down and wrote the, the clarity chapter, it was very much to sort of say, don't just make your idea about your idea attach it to what you stand for as a leader, give people the clarity of what, what that idea contributes to you. So what's what's your vision? So yes, the idea is the solution generally, but what's your vision? What vision are you attaching it to? Um, 
what does it mean to you as a leader? Um, so if you look at some successful ideas, it, it's generally got a quite a personal um, meaning to the leader that's leading it. Um, if it's a new market that you're launching into, you know, what is it about that market that um, appeals to you as a leader? Um, because people will follow you. They, they don't follow your idea, they follow you. So you've got to give them that clarity of what you stand stand for. And some very simple things are, you know, what do you stand for as a leader? Where are you going? Why does the idea matter to you and your business? Um, but yet we, we often just go sort of straight into solution mode. Here's the idea. Let's forget about positioning it in a strategic sense. Let's just start doing and it just becomes work. Um, it actually dilutes the opportunity, I think. Okay. What are these competence killers that you talk about? <laughs> as, soon as, I, as soon as I read that, I thought, I need to know what these are. I need to know what they are. What are they? Um, <laughs> so I had a, um, had a great me- mentor, um, Mary, a, a while ago, and um, we talk about, talked about competence and, and being good at being good at things and competence to me is another way of of people buy in buying into you so you're more likely to buy into someone if you can um see that they're competent it's a, it's a level it's a level of trust it was on the journey to for them to trust you and and competence killers are things that detract from your competence so um i had a, a great uh, leader once a few years ago, and his name I won't share because I don't want to embarrass him. But he was um, he was a very technical guy, but was now in a leadership role. And even though there were technical people in the team, he made whose job it was to define the the solution. He would sit at the table and make these technical judgments um, on on their behalf. And sometimes they were right, and sometimes that they weren't. But the, I call them competence killers because you're trying to do the right thing, but people actually see you as incompetent mm. as, a, as a result. And uh, in that situation, sort of said, stop answering for them. You know, recognize who you've got at the table and give them the space um, to be to be competent. And there's there's not many ideas that are delivered by one person. Um, you need lots of different people around the table. So how do you don't kill those. Don't kill that competence by not asking questions, by not giving them space to have input, um, and 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 listen and learn from from them. Um, don't just shut 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 that IP, that competence, that skill, that skill out. And um, yeah, some of the particularly now with the millennial generation and and others rising through the ranks, there's a lot of knowledge. Um, that I think experienced leaders can get if they just embraced the competence of other people and put their own ego aside um, and, and and listened. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I call a competence killer. Mm. And, on, and on the back of these killers, you talk about <laughs> this idea of a confident competence. competence yeah. I think, um, look, we – I think we all talk about what do we what do we know – we all know things. Um, we all have competence um, 
there's some things that we're absolutely confident and competent about and then there's other things that we like to think that we are where we just um we're kind of winging it let's face it (laughs) we kind of wing it so i think being really clear on what you know um and and what you don't um mary my mentor that i mentioned a few years ago she um uh, she gave me a really good piece of advice which i still stand by which is every time something comes up that you don't know you don't understand write it down um and it's almost like a to learn list instead of a to do list. Mm-hmm. And um, on that to learn list is then the things that you go away and you find answers to. And I find um, particularly in, in, in businesses, there's a lot of meetings happen. Things come up in those meetings that people around the table may not understand. But people don't ask because they don't want it to look like an idiot or they don't want to track from the meeting or they don't want to, you know, admit that they don't that they don't know yet they never leave the meeting and then go and follow up you know can you explain that more to me or i'm really interested in what you said can you help me understand that some more um and so this comfort confidence competence sounds a bit of a mouthful but it's how do you actually get confidence that you know what you're talking about and you're not just leaving um gray areas because you just um not interested or haven't made the time to, to go and learn. You you suggest that we need to really make sure that we're credible. Mm-hmm. So why is why does credibility matter? If I think about not just in a business sense, but just generally in life, who who do we buy from? Who do we bank with? Who do we get our mortgages with? What cars do we drive? We all inherently pick brands, work with people that we that we trust, and the same is no different. It's no different in um, leadership, right? So if you've got a if you've got a great idea, people have got to trust the idea, and they've got to trust you. And credibility is inherently trust to me. And I talk about three, um, sorry, four levels of of credibility that come out of um, Stephen Covey's book, The Speed of Trust. He talks about integrity, intent, capability and results. So yes, you have to build credibility over time. It's not something that you automatically have, but how do you build uh, credibility in your ideas? So what's the integrity of it? Are you delivering it for your own um, career goals is it so you can get promoted and look good against everyone else is it because you actually want to radically change your business you want to you know improve things for your customers are you doing the idea for the right the right reason um in the intent of it what what are you trying to do um i ran a a project a few years ago where the story that was told was it was about growing the business but when you if you actually look at the reasons why they were doing the project, it was obviously bottom line. So it's, and people see straight through through that, right? It, it feel, you get that icky yeah. taste in your mouth. People can smell, smell it a mile off, yet we continue to think if we paint the story of what our intent is, people will believe it. And that just degrades the credibility. Um, then I talk about uh, capability. So I've seen some great leaders pitch pitch ideas, try and deliver projects, but they just don't have the capability 
to do it either as a leader or with the team, right? So how do you go and build um, the capability that you that you need to do that? And then the last one is results. So you don't get you don't get credibility by not delivering. So sooner or later, doesn't matter how big your idea is, someone will want to see your results. Either the employees, your customers, your shareholders, your partners, if you're running a business, the the outcome needs to needs to appear. Um, and that's why that's why I think credibility matters. Um, some great <clears throat> some great ideas may start in the right place, but if you put integrity, intent, capability, and results somewhere across those four, things start to go pear shaped, and credibility goes goes with it. One of the things which I personally found really valuable was your. What do you call it a test or a framework or a, or a, or a model <laughs> for yeah. quiz yeah. for assessing how credible your idea is? And I thought this would be really useful to to I don't know try to talk through in 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 a little bit more a little bit more detail because I do think often and I know for example myself I'm I'm probably someone that is a some people see me as you know an ideas type person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I think this is going to be really useful for someone like me because yeah. I can sort of pull back and. <laughs> yeah. So you just talk through this this framework a, a quiz a little bit more for us. Yeah, sure. I think um, like if I use the four, the four areas that I mentioned before, so integrity, intent, capability, and results. The integrity questions are like I'll pick the first one. I've made up the story that I think others will believe about this idea or I'm being honest with other people about why my idea exists. Mm. And if I use the example of the project before, you know, they made up a story about the project being about growth. But people saw straight through it, they smelt the rat, and it was like, no, this isn't about growth. This is actually about cost out bottom bottom line. Um, so they weren't complete they weren't being completely honest with with people other things on on the list are are things like how does your idea tie into what the organization's doing more broadly so it's easy to say um, as a leader I've got this great idea but it doesn't have any integrity if your I don't know your idea is to um, create Airbnb yet your organization sells phones so how does it actually there's the integrity of the idea and the idea in the context of your organisation. Um, intent is is more about why why are you doing it? So are you delivering the idea to achieve your annual objectives, or is there a bigger vision that you, you that you have? And that goes back to some of the clarity pieces that I talked talked about before. Um, is is the idea a a stepping stone to something bigger or is it a band-aid that you need to um, put over a part of your business that's that's hurting and I just put these questions in here because I think it actually I've, I've reflected on a lot of projects and things that I delivered when I when I wrote these questions and um, yeah there's a few projects that I thought actually I would have I would have reframed them um, so that I had they had more more credibility and um, the capability piece is I think we're all optimists sometimes 
particularly when it comes to to delivering ideas. The idea is so great that we forget about whether we can actually what we actually need to be able to deliver it. And um, you know, have we got the right one end of the spectrum? You you go and find the skills that you need, and the other end of the spectrum is you make do. And it's it's actually counterproductive if you've got a great idea and then you don't go and find the people to turn it into that great idea you're not going to get a great idea at the at the end of it you'll end up with a half asked vanilla made do version version of your ideas so um yeah the, the questions in the capability section is um you know i have I have the capabilities to lead successfully. I'm confident that we have the skills and the talents needed to do it. And it's not saying that you shouldn't do it, but just make a conscious choice mm. of go and find the people or if you um, need time to go and find them or build the capabilities of uni. Allow yourself as a leader and as a business to to, to do that. Don't set yourself aggressive timelines try and you know climb mount everest when you've only got provisions to get to base camp <laughs> yeah i think what it does is it really gives you some depth of thinking mm. around your yeah. idea which yeah. i think is really important yeah and then the last one's really about results and um i <laughs> i had a, a a good friend a long time ago a long time ago now um there's one leader in the organization that we work for who doesn't matter what the idea was, didn't matter what the project was, he always got the money. Right? And people are like, like, this is just Captain's call, he's got the ear of the CEO, you know, how does this guy, like, his ideas weren't even good, but he still got, he still got the money. And it's like, because he delivers, right? He, he does what he says he's going to do. And, and people, if you have a strong track record, people will go, well, he did it last time. He'll do it next time. She she's delivered that project well, or that project was that idea was on the money. So I'm going to trust her again to to do this idea. And and um, yeah, I think we forget that people, we need to be credible as leaders, and our ideas need to be credible too. And a credible idea with a leader that hasn't got credibility isn't isn't going to get the traction that they need. And that's why I talk about uh, how do you get that that buy in. Because the leader, people will buy into you. You also talk about this idea of connection. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about connection. <laughs> um, so I'm absolutely, absolutely fascinated by marketing. And um, someone uh, said to me uh, a few years ago that I'm a great marketer. And I was like, but I'm a project director. And she said, but you do a really good job in marketing your your projects. I help people connect with um what it is that i'm delivering and and i deliver i've delivered a lot of technology based projects in my career which are about left brain logical scope you know we talk about tools and processes and systems boring for people to listen to so how do you actually help them connect and turn that technology or whatever it is that you're delivering into something that people want to hear and there's a lot of research out of the US that I think 90% of business decisions and human behavior is driven by emotion not by logical decision making and um, yet we still generally pitch our ideas in dollars and cents We we talk about scope we talk about solutions we talk about strategy we don't actually share a whole heap of stories um, that help people 
people connect them with them. And so the connection section um, is really about how do what are the stories you can tell to to help people connect with your idea. And quick story I'll share um, to to prove the point um, is I led a, a large technology transformation a few years ago. Um, when I was given it, that's how it was sold to me. And you sort of go, I'll roll your eyes. Here's another, here's another technology transformation. Um, it was the fourth or fifth that the organization had done in 10 years. Um, everyone could still remember the last one. Um, yet you go, well, why are we actually, why are we actually doing it? And they said, oh, well, we're doing it because the orders take too long. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And it's like, oh, well, it means the customer it's expecting it at this time frame and it actually takes three times as long okay go and find me a customer why do you want a customer so we've got the customer to come in and ask them to share their story about what it was like to use the system that we were replacing and as soon as the customer came in and said hi my name's sarah i run a small business based in toowoomba last week i tried to order something for my business that I thought would take two to three days. Three weeks, 15 calls later, I haven't got the service, I haven't got this, I haven't been able to deliver to my customers because you haven't delivered to me. As soon as that story went to the executive, everyone was like, oh, like it just connected. It was not about the system anymore. It's about the customer's date details the customer's order in the system and, and getting people to connect with Sarah rather than the system um, moved our program forward a whole a whole heap. Mm. So you talk about this idea that engagement is not enough. Mm. Why is gage- engagement not enough? So I talk about engagement in the context of stakeholders and I think, um, I think if there's one part of delivery where people that I just think it needs an overhaul of stakeholder management. So we talk about we need to manage our stakeholders, we need to engage people. Um, but to me that just feels like a transaction. It's like I need to engage, I need to engage you. Here's some information, I'm, I've engaged you. Here's a report, I've engaged you. Um, but it, it doesn't actually tell me whether you're, whether you've received that. It's like I'm transmitting a, a message, but I don't know whether you've received, whether you've received it. And so I talk in the book about engagement's not enough. You have actually got to get a response back, right? I need, um, I need to know whether you're bought in to my idea. I need to know whether you're going to help. Um, I need to, to know that we can have a conversation in a meeting, and that we're on the same page. Not that you leave and go and do something else or have a conversation at the water fountain that says says something else. And I think we're all so busy that it's easy to to see engagement as a box ticking exercise. So I've, I need to engage my stakeholders. I sent them an email and told them what's going on. That's not that's not engagement. That's not buy-in. That's just communication. Um, and so, yeah, engagement isn't enough. It's collab- – we need to be collaborating, working together, partnership – talking um, and all the other things I talk about in the book. Engagement's, engagement's not enough. Mm. <laughs> and I, wanna, I sort of almost want to finish up with this idea of how do we go about building commitment? Mm. I, um, I talk about two sides. We covered both of them already, but I'll bring them together. So if you look at um, commitment as the credibility piece that we talked about earlier, 
and then the connection piece and you can be the most trusted person in the room but if people aren't connected with you or the idea you're still not going to get their commitment or you could be you could have really strong relationships with people and be well connected with people but if you don't have the credibility you're not going to get their commitment so talk about building commitment is you need both you need the left brain credibility my ideas good to go I'm good to go you're buying into me and then you need people to go actually yeah I feel like this is the right thing to do and I love watching um I like love watching Shark Tank yeah and um it's a it's a perfect example of this like so there's so many times I've watched Shark Tank where people go love your idea not feeling you hmm. and they don't get the money yeah. I've seen many episodes where people go actually your idea's crap but there's something about you hmm. So they feel that connect, like they can see that there's a spark or a fire in the person, then they'll give them the money not to do the idea, but to do something else. So you need, you need both. And building commitment is um, an accumulation of everything that we've talked about. But um, yeah, a lot of people don't ask for commitment. We sort of take it, take it for granted that we, <laughs> we actually say, are you, are you on board? Are you committed to this? Um, it actually makes people think, am I? Mm. And, and and sometimes that answer might be, well, kind of, or no, I'm not. So what do you do to get them bought in? Okay. Are there any books, people, leaders in particular that inspire you? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, 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 I look across a few different areas for, for inspiration. Personally, um, particularly with the courage and the fear angle, I'm a massive reader of, of Brené Brown. I know many others are too. Um, the a lot of what I read through Bayern um, goes back to what I said earlier about I'm really interested in marketing. Um, and you look at um, Seth Godin and Purple Cow, and a lot, you, it's actually a really nice way of framing what we do. Right when we have an idea, where it's essentially an early product that we're trying to get people mm. bought into. Right, so we're we're doing the market the early marketing on a on an idea I think um, and then I just read a, a lot of leadership books so anything that's on strategy and execution or strategy execution is one of my favorite books um, yeah I just love any anything where we've got CEOs experienced leaders sharing the war stories about their trials and tribulations with executions um, fast, I find fascinating okay. if people want to find out more about you where should they go? I'm in um, all the usual places online. So I've got a website at juliasteel.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, um, all the usual social media channels. I've got a newsletter called Nerves of Steel, which I get to every fortnight. So if people want to subscribe, they can do that through through my website too. Um, but yeah, based in Melbourne, work around Australia and Asia Pacific. And uh, yeah, any, any leaders that are looking to deliver change better in their organization love to speak to them okay so any any last words on leadership and change i think i think there's a lot of um throwaway lines at the moment you know the world's changing faster there's more change than ever before um change is the new normal and it's like yes that yes they're all correct but we are inherently all still individuals we're all leaders we're all team members we're all employees so um, yeah, let's cut some of the 
the uh, headlines and just go, actually, no one's going to lead your idea other than you. And so how do you get how do you get people on board with that? How do you inspire them? How do you get their commitment and uh, ultimately be the business that delivers what they say they're going to do? That's what that's what we're talking about, right? We we don't want to put a big idea up on a pedestal and then go, well, we gave it a red hot go, but didn't work out. So mm. while everyone wants to be able to say that they've delivered what they said they would. On that note, Julie Steele, thank you so much for thank being you. part of the podcast. Excellent. Thank you. Well, that wraps up episode 89 of the Sinjin Leadership Podcast, another great author interview episode for you. I'd like to encourage you to head on over to the Sinjin Group website and engage in the conversation with us. Tell us what you liked about the episode, tell us who you'd like us to interview, or tell us what sort of content you'd like us to deliver to. And if you are an iPhone user, please feel free, head on over to the Apple site and leave us a review. It really does help us build awareness of the podcast. In next week's episode, we're going to introduce the idea of managing risk as another curriculum ecosystem episode. So it is another great episode. Until then, love to hear what you think. Happy listening.